Are all the different and conflicting parenting philosophies causing you to second guess what it means to biblically discipline your children? Are you concerned that disciplining your little ones is a harsh way to parent and fear it will emotionally scar them for life? Well, then we're so glad you're joining us for today's episode. I'm your host, Katie Morgan, and welcome to Parenting with Ginger Hubbard. Ginger is the best-selling author of Don't Make Me Count to Three, Wise Words for Moms, and I Can't Believe You Just Said That. She speaks at women's events, parenting conferences, and homeschool conventions across the country. A quick note to our listeners as we start today's episode. If you enjoy this podcast and would like to further support our ministry, here are a few ways you can do that. Number one is to like, rate, review, and share this podcast wherever and whenever the Lord leads. Listeners, we have grown so much since we started, and nearly all of that growth has been through word of mouth. So please keep it up. That is absolutely the best way to help us spread the word. Another helpful way to support our ministry is by purchasing Ginger's resources through gingerhubbard.com. We know that ordering through other retailers is quick and easy, but you might not know that ministries like ours receive very little from those purchases. So an easy way to help us is to purchase directly from Ginger's website. Again, that's gingerhubbard.com. And stay tuned until the end of this episode to receive a discount code on your purchase. A third way to show your support of our show is to become a donor. If God is using our podcast to encourage you in your parenting, we would love for you to prayerfully give a monthly or a one-time donation as the Lord leads. So just go to gingerhubbard.com support to donate any amount. And finally, and most importantly, Ginger and I humbly ask for your prayers. This is hands down the best way to show your support for our ministry. Thank you to everyone who has given of your time and resources to help us keep this show going week after week. And our prayer is that God would be glorified through our efforts to help parents reach the hearts of their children for the glory of God. Long before my husband and I had kids of our own, I knew I wanted to be a homeschooling mom. But when my oldest was ready to start kindergarten, I had just had our third child, who we affectionately referred to as the baby monster. Homeschooling didn't seem possible with a kindergartner, a toddler, and a baby monster. I was so thankful that a friend introduced me to BJU Press. Their all-in-one curriculum resources gave me the confidence to homeschool at a time when it didn't seem possible. Their video lessons that, by the way, are engaging and taught by experienced teachers, those videos were a time and a sanity saver for me. Best of all, their K-5 through grade 12 all-in-one curriculum options are rooted in a solid biblical worldview. To learn more about BJU Press, go to bjupresshomeschool.com and see what they have to offer. You'll find their parent-led resources as well as independent learning materials at bjupresshomeschool.com. And tell them the baby monster sent you. Well, Ginger, it seems that many parents today cringe when they hear the word discipline because, I don't know, maybe they relate it to harsh parenting or parenting that isn't loving or gentle. So I'm really excited about today's topic. Me too, Katie, because there are many parenting philosophies out there that are causing so much confusion for parents as to Mm -hmm. whether or not to discipline their children. Some of these philosophies are teaching that disciplining kids is cruel and abusive. Some are teaching that it's emotionally damaging or that it promotes violence. As a result, we're hearing more and more parents, even Christian parents, say that they don't believe in disciplining their kids. Well, to say that disciplining kids is cruel and abusive or damaging to their emotions or promotes violence can certainly be 
validated in some situations. But to say that we don't believe in disciplining our kids is to say that God's ordained methods for child training are wrong. Mm. It's to reject God's word. It's to say that we are wiser than God himself. Now, certainly, There are homes where parents discipline harshly and abusively, and the child grew up with emotional problems or with a bent toward violence, which is completely understandable and even likely when parents administer anger-driven, abusive punishment rather than loving biblical discipline. Anytime parents reject God's way, the result will be destruction. Angry, harsh, and abusive parents raise angry, harsh children who were prone to the same anger and violence they were subjected to while growing up. In these cases, it would have been better, so much better, for the parents to refrain from physical discipline altogether than to administer in a way that sins against children, sins against God, and rejects God's holy intention for child training. Right. So just to be sure that everyone understands what what we're saying here, we do not advocate for angry, harsh reactive, abusive discipline of any kind at any time. Godly discipline, even physical discipline, can be effective without being any of those things. In fact, the Bible confirms that for us very clearly, and that's what we're going to talk about today. Now, Ginger, another deceptive philosophy that we hear in more areas than just parenting is that the Bible is old school and not applicable in our very, very forward-thinking society. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. But God's command for parents to discipline their kids is not just for the days of old. It's not an old law from an old book that doesn't apply to today's family. But, you know, really, Katie, we shouldn't be surprised by that philosophy because, you know, just look around. The culture we're living in today defies God at every point, including child training. But God's commands for parents to discipline their children and the promises behind those commands are timeless and true. We serve an unchanging and faithful God whose commands and promises are for every family in every generation. The enemy tries to confuse us and throw us off course by planting doubts about God's word in our heads, just like he did with Eve in the garden. Mm. Think about how Eve was deceived by the enemy in Genesis chapter 3. Satan didn't deny that God had spoken. He was too clever for that. He simply questioned and twisted what God had really said to try and confuse Eve. Mm. In verse 1, Satan said, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? He's still using the same tactics today to speak through false teachings. Did God really say you have to discipline your children? (laughs) Well, yes. Yes, he did. Proverbs 23, verses 13 and 14 say, Do not withhold discipline from a child. If you punish him with a rod, he will not die. Punish him with a rod and save his soul from death. The enemy uses false teachings to appeal to the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. When Satan was tempting Eve to doubt what God had said in Genesis chapter 3, verse 6, it said that Eve saw that the tree was, quote, pleasant to the eyes, that's the lust of the eyes, that it was good for food, that's the lust of the flesh, and that it was desirable to make one wise, that's the pride of life. Eve chose what was pleasant to her, which was to bite into the forbidden fruit. It's the same with parents. Discipline is not pleasant for us or our children. It doesn't feel good. So we'd rather bite into some other philosophy that's more appealing. Mm. So we listen to the enemy's voice saying, 
Is that really what God said? Because this other way is much more appealing and pleasant. But here is what the truth of God's word says in Hebrews 12, 11. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. That's right, Ginger. But You know, this false teaching encourages parents to believe that administering consequences to our children is not loving. Yeah, and I can actually understand and even relate to that line of thinking. No parent wants to see their children suffer. When my children were little, Katie, disciplining them was one of the hardest things I had to do. To purposefully inflict pain on our children is a hard thing for any parent. But It's one of the most loving things we can do according to the scriptures. Parents, if you're struggling with this issue of whether or not to discipline your children because you're concerned that it's unloving, ask yourself this question. Who benefits if you do not discipline your child? Well, certainly not the child. Proverbs 23 makes it clear that failure to discipline places the child at risk. So in reality, who benefits from not disciplining? You do. You're delivered from the discomfort of it. You're delivered from inflicting pain on one who is so precious to you. You're delivered from the inconvenience and loss of time that it takes to biblically discipline. But God says in Proverbs 13, 24, he who spares the rod hates his son, but he who loves him is careful to discipline him, not abusive, but careful to discipline. So here we see that it is love that motivates a parent to discipline. God equates discipline with love. So when parents discipline in love, our children equate discipline with love. Regardless of the deceptive philosophies on biblical discipline that are saturating social media and filling the bookstores and being shipped out from publishing houses and Amazon every single day, the truth of the Bible is that God makes no exceptions to a child's command to obey parental authority and a parent's command to discipline when they don't. So a quick recap, because that was so good that I didn't want to interrupt. We fail to discipline our children, not because we love them too much to do it, but because we desire our own comfort more than the spiritual well-being of our children. Or to put it the way the Bible does, we fail to discipline our children because we hate our children. That is really hard to hear and probably hard for some people to grasp or even believe if this is an area where they struggle. But God's word is really clear about our role as parents and our failure to live up to that role does put our children in harm's way. Mm, That's right, Katie. And I'm just going to go ahead and tell you guys that I really struggled for a second with quoting Proverbs 13, 24 on this episode. He who spares the rod hates his son, because let's face it, that's a harsh truth to digest. It's hard for me to wrap my mind around hating my children. So I wanted to try and soften that verse by adding something like, of course we love our children, but failure to discipline is to demonstrate hate for them. But that's not what the Bible says. It says, he who spares the rod hates his son. Not as just demonstrating hate, but hates his son. Mm -hmm. And Katie, you're so right in that failure to live up to God's commands for parents to discipline puts children in harm's way. 
and no loving parent would willingly put their children in danger. I find it ironic that I was tempted to soften that verse by adding to it when our whole purpose for this episode is to debunk deceptive philosophies that do just that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, that temptation is very strong with a text like that. But this is why I love working with you on this show. God has gifted you with wisdom and discernment for sure, but you're also willing to receive correction and reproof if necessary. And listeners, that's what we're talking about here today. We don't avoid reproving or correcting our children or one another because we love them, but rather it is because we love them and one another that we reprove them, which is so much more difficult to do, Mm. so much more sacrificial to do. Now, next week, we're going to talk about why God calls us to discipline our children. Why does he ask us? Well, not ask us, but command. Why does he command us to discipline our children? I mean, Ginger, couldn't we just smother them with love and affirm their thoughts and beliefs and pump them full of Skittles and cotton candy? I mean, (laughs) isn't that the way to cultivate holiness in a child? (laughs) Well, we're going to talk about that next week, but we don't live in la-la candy land. We live in a fallen world full of people with desperately sick and sinful hearts. Just read Jeremiah 17, 9. But... But God, the beauty of God's command for parents to discipline their children in love is that it helps them take ownership for the sin in their hearts, which helps them to recognize their need for Jesus. And that's Mm. what it's all about. That's exactly what it's all about. But today's culture seems to be much more obsessed with a child's feelings than their eternal welfare. Mm. Parents are becoming more concerned with the emotional state of their children than the spiritual state of their children. Now, of course, we don't want to ignore our children's emotions. We want to help them process and respond to them in healthy ways so that they don't become a slave to their emotions. Exactly. And let me just chime in here and say that if you are new to the podcast and have a child who is struggling with big emotions, please go back and listen to episode 83. That episode is entitled Helping Kids with Big Emotions. And we discuss how to help children who may be in bondage to emotions like fear, anxiety, or anger. And we will have Heather put a link in the show notes to that episode. Katie, I'm really glad you mentioned that because that was one of my favorite episodes. And mm. we've had so many parents message me and, and tell me how encouraging and helpful that episode was. Parents need to offer understanding and compassion and help for our children's emotional struggles. And we gave biblical and practical ways to do that in that episode. But so many parents today are sacrificing opportunities to help their children acknowledge their sins and turn to Jesus for salvation and help on the altar of coddling and even indulging sinful responses to emotions. Ooh, you just hit the nail on the head, Ginger. There is a fine line between acknowledging our children's emotions and indulging our children in them. We don't want to cross that line because that's how they become enslaved to their emotions, or it's one of the ways. Or worse, they begin to identify themselves in terms of their emotions. You know, I'm sorry I hit my brother, but I'm just an angry person. And this, by the way, is one of the things that bothers me about the Enneagram. If you're a huge fan of the Enneagram, I encourage you to listen to an episode of Elisa Childers' podcast on that very topic. She handled it so well. I couldn't do it justice, so I'm not going to try to, but we'll have Heather put a link in the show notes to that. But one of the dangers I see with these popular personality tests is that we begin to identify with our letter, our number, or whatever, to the point where we walk around telling people, yeah, I'm a seven. And they're supposed to know what that means and to adapt to our cute little quirks and idiosyncrasies. I'm sorry I'm bored with this conversation, but that's just the seven in me. No, Katie, that's the sin in you. It, I'm just selfish, and I would rather talk about me. 
<laughs> wow, Katie, talk about hitting the nail on the head. We could do a whole episode on that. Mm. The pitfalls of finding identity and personality test instead of Christ. Mm. Maybe we should have a Lisa back on for that topic. I love that idea. She's awesome. Mm-hmm. Now, Ginger and I are not saying that personality tests are wrong or sinful to use, but using them... Here's how I think about it. It's a bit like trying to diagnose a heart condition online using WebMD rather than going to a physician who can actually listen to my heart and run diagnostic tests. Personality tests are satisfying because there isn't a topic on earth more interesting than me. You know, navel gazing is a pastime that will never go out of style. And I think that's the real danger with them. The more we indulge that by going to sources other than God's word to diagnose the sin in our hearts or in the hearts of our children, the more confused we are likely to become in the process. Mm, Yeah. And Katie, I don't want to get off track here, but I have to tell you (laughs) that this is the second time you've used the term navel gazing on our show. And to be honest with you, I had never heard that term. So both times you mentioned it, the first thought that popped into my head was, why are you staring at your belly button? (laughs) Well, I finally Googled it. I mean, I had an idea as to what it meant, but I finally Googled it. And and you know, I can't spell. So the image that came up was a bit shocking. Oh no! (laughs) Suffice it to say, we will not be putting a link in the show notes. Yeah, let's not do that. (laughs) I'm not sure, Ginger, where I first heard that idiom. You know what? It could have been on that episode of Elisa's podcast, actually. Mm -hmm. But I think it's a really great way to describe our tendency to fixate on ourselves. Navel gazing is just another way of describing excessive self-contemplation. And that's exactly what those personality tests lend themselves to. Mm -hmm. Uh, So back to that episode of our show that we mentioned earlier, we're talking about episode 83 called Helping Kids with Big Emotions. We did talk about the fact that not all emotions are sinful. Anger in and of itself is not sinful. Anger is a God-given emotion. The Bible does not say, do not become angry. It says, in your anger, do not sin. So if Candace becomes angry over something her brother has done to her, but chooses, by the grace of God, to overlook the offense and return evil with good, she has not sinned in the midst of that angry emotion. But if she throws a rock at his face or destroys his favorite toy, she has sinned in her anger. Exactly. Also, when we concern ourselves with the spiritual state of our children, it has a positive effect on their emotional state. In other words, when children are trained and disciplined in the ways of the Lord, which involves requiring them to have self-control and to obey parental authority, their emotional state is far more stable. Mm. Just look around at children who are not disciplined and trained in self-control and obedience. Are they happy, satisfied children with healthy emotions? Or are they unhappy, unsatisfied children who've become slaves to their emotions? Are they joyful and content? Or are they whiny and demanding? Are they enjoying life? Or do they seem to be miserable most of the time, especially when they're not getting their own way? Mm. Parents who excuse disobedience and do not discipline their children like to say that they're being gentle and showing grace. But to excuse disobedience for any reason is harsh parenting because it's damaging to children. It supports and allows and condones the indulgence of sinful behavior, which is destructive to their well-being, both physically and spiritually. You know what's harsh? Hell. Hell Mm. is harsh. Mm. Allowing them to indulge in sinful behavior leads them to horrific consequences in this life. And if they don't repent and surrender their lives to Jesus, hell in the next. It's a lose-lose situation. 
So we're not doing our kids any favors by excusing disobedience under the guise of being gentle or showing grace. The neglect of discipline is not gentle and loving because it enables our children to stay on a self-serving path of destruction, which leads to spiritual death. Oh, that is so true. There is nothing loving about neglectful parenting. These philosophies that are discouraging parents from disciplining their children in accordance with God's word may be presented in such a way that they sound right, but Proverbs 14, 12 tells us that there is a way that appears to be right, but in the end, it leads to death. And lest Ginger and I be considered dramatic or fear-mongering about this, I want to direct our listeners to Proverbs 30, verse 17, which says this, The eye that mocks a father and scorns to obey a mother will be picked out by the ravens of the valley and eaten by the vultures. Hmm. Okay, so that's a pretty extreme consequence (laughs) for the failure of a child to rightly honor and obey their parents. It's hard to read that and not consider that God takes these things very seriously. Now, I do want to offer up a quick word of clarification here, Ginger, for those parents who have special needs children and for foster and adoptive parents. Ginger and I are all for using discernment and wisdom when it comes to disciplining children who are either not capable of obedience or for children who have experienced neglect or abuse. There's a totally different strategy in that situation. So please know, we do not advocate for requiring from a child what he or she is simply incapable of doing. A child who's experienced trauma or who is developmentally delayed should be disciplined with grace, patience, and lots of prayer, as all our children should be. But we do understand that there are distinctions to be made with those children in particular. So if you're a foster or adoptive parent, or if you have a child with special needs, we have episodes specifically for you. So check out episode 58 called Parenting Foster and Adoptive Kids. Episode 75 is Understanding Trauma Behaviors. Both of those, by the way, are with our wonderful guest, Sonia Martin. And then we have our last two episodes that we did with the one and only Sonia Schaefer. Hmm. Women named Sonia make really great guests on our show, by the way. (laughs) They do. Sonia Schaefer's episodes are entitled Obedience and Special Needs Kids and also Consequences and Special Needs Kids. So we'll have Heather put links to all those episodes in the show notes so you can easily find them. And this would be great. If you know other parents who might benefit from those episodes, please feel free to share those. Yes, we have been so grateful and so blessed to have guests on our show to talk about areas that Katie and I feel ill-equipped to discuss. And both of our Sonyas have tremendous wisdom and insight. So mm-hmm. we have just, we're just thrilled that we had them on, and we just want to utilize those episodes um, as much as possible because there was just tremendous wisdom and insights. All right, so back to parents who excuse willful disobedience and defiant attitudes because they're being deceived by dangerous counsel that does not line up with God's commands for parents and children. The saddest part of excusing and not addressing disobedience is that we're missing opportunities to point our children to the rescuing grace of Jesus. Mm. So I urge our listeners to be careful to not be sucked into worldly philosophies that blatantly defy the truths of God's word. And what's both alarming and confusing is that some of the people pushing these philosophies might be true Christians who have either uh, misinterpreted or are ignoring parts of Scripture. They quote just enough Scripture, or more often, they aren't even quoting full verses or passages, but just stringing together a few truths, such as Jesus is gentle and kind, and Jesus is patient and loving, which are all true, but then they tack on something completely absurd like Jesus would never abuse a child. 
Well, of course Jesus would never abuse a child, nor has he commanded parents to abuse children. Mm. What Jesus has commanded parents to do is teach, rebuke, correct, and carefully discipline their children, and in the same matter that God the Father disciplines his children with love, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. Hebrews 12, 6 says, the Lord disciplines those he loves, and he has called parents to do the same. So don't be deceived by the twisting of Scripture to validate philosophies of the newest parenting experts. In fact, we need to be cautious of anyone who is claiming to have a new or groundbreaking method for parenting or a Mm. revolutionary parenting book or anyone who quotes Scripture and then follows it up with, here's what I think that passage is saying or here's how I feel about that verse. It doesn't matter what others think or how they feel about the Bible. Truth is what God's Word says, regardless of what we think or how we feel. I think this is really the crux of the issue, Ginger. We don't want to discipline our kids consistently because of how it makes us feel. Sure, they usually cry and complain when we administer any kind of discipline, but I'm convinced that the issue is less about how it makes them feel and more about how it makes us feel. I'm concerned that so many parents today care more about being liked by their children and less about what God commands them to do as parents. So they latch on to this kind of spiritual pacifism that gives them permission to shrink back from the spiritual battle that all of us Christians are called to fight. It's like sending your kids off to war and you've only ever prepared them for a tickle fight. This is not only unwise, it has very serious consequences as we've read in scripture. So to clarify, we're not called to fight this battle against our children, but rather with them and against our common enemy, sin. So the real danger of these deceptive philosophies is that they ignore the spiritual battle altogether and leave parents and children totally ill-equipped to fight it. Wow, Katie, that is the crux of the issue. We could have just done a 30-second episode and called it a day. (laughs) But by now, our listeners know that we're a little bit too long-winded for that. Yeah. (laughs) But what you just said is so profound, so profound that I, I really want to repeat it so that it really sinks in. You said the battle we're called to fight is not against our children, but rather with them and against our common enemy, sin. Disciplining our children is part of that battle, but it's so easy to lose sight of the reason we battle when our feelings about discipline get in the way. Mm -hmm. That's why we have to weigh our feelings in light of what God's Word says so that we aren't led astray by them. The perfect method for parenting our children, which includes disciplining them in love, was determined by God a long time ago, and it's His revolutionary book, The Bible, That's the only one that we need. The family was God's idea. He brought it into being. So who better to provide instructions for how it operates best? The instructions set forth in the Bible given to parents for bringing their children up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord are just as timeless and true as they are loving and gentle. Now, I'm not saying we can't benefit from parenting books and find encouragement from one another as far as implementing biblical principles for raising our kids. I still want you guys to go to my website and buy my books. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) But what I am saying is that we need to make sure the people we're listening to are in line with Scripture and are not just throwing out a few biblical terms to fit their own agenda. Mm. We need to make sure that they're offering true biblical teaching based on the holy and infallible Word of God. We need to ask ourselves— Is the teaching we're absorbing through parenting books and parenting classes in accordance with or contradicting the Word of God? Does this advice that's shaping our beliefs through social media line up 
not just in part, but in accordance with the whole counsel of God. Mm. We have to use wisdom and discernment. Matthew 10, 16 says that we have to be as shrewd as snakes and as innocent as doves, because there are false teachings out there being disguised as truth. These teachings have just enough scripture or biblical terminology sprinkled on top to seem legit, but they aren't taking the whole counsel of God into account. If we find teaching that's adding to or taking away from Scripture, we need to move on. Because Deuteronomy 4.2 says, Do not add to what I command you and do not subtract from it, but keep the commands of the Lord your God that I give you. Mm. So, Ginger, can you give us an example of how false teaching adds to or takes away from the commands of the Bible when it comes to disciplining children? If the teaching includes biblical phrases such as love is patient, love is kind, love is gentle, and places a strong emphasis on the grace of God as a means to persuade and convince parents that disciplining children is not biblical, then that teaching is adding to and taking away from what the Word of God clearly says. Mm. Don't be deceived. All of those statements are true, but equally as true is that God has called parents to demonstrate all of these fruit of the Spirit qualities, not instead of, but in accordance with how we discipline our children. Mm. Showing love, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control as we discipline our children and as we address the sin issues in their hearts is what the grace of God in us and through us is all about. That is such an important point, Ginger, because... If a person believes that discipline is incompatible with the fruit of the Spirit, then they, well, they either haven't studied God's Word fully, or as my former pastor used to say, they've highlighted it with a black highlighter. Proverbs 3, 11 through 12 says, My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline or be weary of his reproof, for the Lord reproves him whom he loves as a father, the son in whom he delights. So discipline done God's way is how we love our children the way God loves us. I encourage you, listeners, that if you doubt this, do a word study on discipline or chastisement and see what you find. Hmm. I think one way to spot faulty teaching is to see how much of the focus of it is on the grace and mercy of Jesus to the exclusion of all the other attributes of God, like his justice. The people who embrace this teaching forget or ignore that Jesus is God. He is both merciful and just. Our sin doesn't simply go unpunished because God cares more about our self-esteem than his holiness. God doesn't sit back and ignore these laws he created so that we can figure things out on our own. No, if we are truly saved by the grace of God, then he imputes the righteousness of Christ to us and then pitches his tent inside our hearts to change us from within. Our sin isn't minimized at all. It is exposed and nailed to the cross. And so to withhold this kind of loving discipline from our children is to claim that we know better than God how to raise them. Amen, sister. (laughs) Preach on. Okay. (laughs) So Ginger, how can we recognize this false teaching when it's coming from people who might be speaking truth in other areas? So maybe they don't deny the core tenets of our faith. But they do seem to either ignore or minimize God's clear commands for us to discipline our children. 
Well, we don't just take them at their word and believe what they're saying because it sounds good or because it feels right. We hold up and test what they're saying to see if it lines up with what God's word says. It is vital that we recognize what is happening in today's anti-biblical, anti-disciplined parenting culture and guard ourselves against it. Mm. We have to be alert and stand against false teachings that distort the grace of God and the truths of his word, because these worldly philosophies on parenting have secretly slipped in among us, and they've deceived some of us into believing that to demonstrate the fruit of the Spirit in parenting means that we do not discipline our children when they're living foolishly and sinfully in disobedience. Mm. But the Word of God is truth. The Word of God is wisdom. The Word of God tells parents that when we discipline our children, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace in their lives. Now is the part of our show where we share a funny kid quip from one of our listeners. Today's kid quip is courtesy of Danielle in Florida, and here's what she says. I have a son who is very literal, and I have two stories about him. When he was a preschooler, we were reading a Lift the Flap book, and the top of the page said to name the baby animals. What the book suggested was for him to say things like calf, piglet, chick. However, my very literal son named them Kevin, Gregory, and so forth. (laughs) Kids are so literal. They are. Another funny quip from my very literal son was when both of my boys colored pictures of the Mario Brother characters. My eldest said he was going to put his on his wall and left the room, returning just moments later. My literal son said he, too, was going to put it on his wall and left the room. After several minutes passed, I went in to see if he needed help with the tape dispenser. Instead, he was holding the picture in front of him and drawing the image on the wall. <laughs> Not what we meant by put it on the wall. We still laugh about that one today. It That reminds me of Amelia Bedelia. Do you remember the Amelia Bedelia books Mm-mm. where she took everything very literally? And she, instead of drawing the drapes, like closing the drapes, she literally sat down and drew a picture of the drapes. Oh, that's funny. Amelia Bedelia was a favorite of mine. My mom hated her because she couldn't figure it out. Like, Amelia, come on, you're an adult. Don't be so literal. (laughs) Those sound fun. Well, Ginger, I'm loving this new segment and all the kid quips that are pouring in. So if you have a kid quip for our show, we would love to hear from you. It can be any funny thing your child or grandchild has said, or it can even be something funny you said as a child. Just go to gingerhubbard.com slash kidquips. That's Q-U-I-P-S to submit those. Well, Ginger, I'm grateful that you're shining a light on this topic today because it can feel so confusing and overwhelming to us parents when we're in the throes of it with our children. So for those parents who really needed to hear what you had to say today, can you please leave them with a final word of encouragement? Sure. My final word is to encourage parents to not be deceived by people who want to argue that biblical discipline is harsh and unloving. When it comes to training, instructing, and disciplining our children, there is no find your own truth. Mm. There is the truth, and it's found in the Word of God. When we take into account the whole counsel of God, we find that biblical discipline is one of the most loving gentle, and kind things we can do for the physical, mental, and spiritual well-being of our children. Thank you, Ginger, and thank you, listeners, for joining us. If you enjoyed our show and want to hear more, please subscribe to our podcast wherever you're listening. And while you're there, could you please leave us a rating or a review? This truly helps us get the word out about our podcast so that other parents can be encouraged to reach the hearts of their children. Do you have a parenting question? 
Well, we invite you to submit those at gingerhubbard.com slash askginger, and we'll do our best to answer it in a future episode. And while you're on the website, you can find today's show notes, which will include links to anything we mentioned in this show. While you're on gingerhubbard.com, you can find Ginger's wonderful resources that will help you get to the heart of outward behavior and address it from a biblical perspective. Not sure which resources to get? Well, good news. Today, we're offering a bundled deal of all of Ginger's resources at a $25 discount. This includes her parenting books and study guides, the wise words for mom's chart, as well as the CD and digital download of her audio series called Reaching the Heart of Your Child. This is a $95 value for only $70. And if you use the code parenting at gingerhubbard.com, you can get an additional 10% off of this already great deal. And remember, when you purchase Ginger's resources at gingerhubbard.com, you help to support this ministry and our podcast. If you'd like daily encouragement and parenting advice from Ginger, be sure to follow her on Instagram at ginger.hubbard. And you can connect with me on Instagram at Katie in a Corner. That's K-A-T-Y in a Corner. Thank you listeners for joining us today. We look forward to being with you again next week. Until then, may God bless you as you seek to reach the hearts of your children for the glory of God. Yes, absolutely. We have been so grateful and so blessed to have guests on our show to talk about these areas that Katie and I feel ill-equipped to discuss. And Hang both on. of you said disgust. Disgust. <laughs> <laughs> we are totally disgusted. We're disgusted. <laughs> Truth is what God's word says, regardless of what we think or how we feel. Oh. <laughs> I'm in La La Land. <laughs> My turn. <laughs> okay. And I'm back. Okay. I think one way to spalt, fault, spalt, is that what I said? To spalt faulty teaching. Well, spalt, spalt, spalt. Let's, let's spalt that. <laughs> it does sound very British of me, doesn't it? <laughs>